Hi, I'm Mark Richard, and you're listening to Pure Talk, the podcast where we talk about life, health, and living pure. On today's episode, we welcome Dr. Janice Wright. Dr. Wright is the Chief Medical Officer at Inspire Health. She joins us today to talk about how Inspire Health provides supportive cancer care, lasting lifestyle changes, research and effectiveness of supportive cancer care. They educate the public, play a significant leadership role, and most importantly, inspire one another. This is Pewter. Janice Wright, thank you so much for joining Pure Talk. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I wanted to start very simply because every medical doctor I have on this show, I seem to always uh, be so enthralled by their journey into medicine. And so that would be my first question is sort of where did you find the impetus to, to come into healthcare? Somehow, I've always known I was going to be a doctor. It's that simple. Uh, From a very, very young age, I knew I wanted to help people and help people in this particular way. And so here I am. Right. And was it family? Was it mother or father in healthcare at all? Not at all. I'm the first person in my entire family tree to go to university, let alone medical school. So just an inspiration as a very young person, um, preschool, actually. And uh, my parents probably thought it was a romantic idea at that time, but I pursued it and here I am. Here you are. And you were just amazing at science. Was that that the, (laughs) the start? Well, I, I, uh, I practice what I hope is the science, but also the art of medicine and right. healing. And so for me, it was always a marriage of um, my quest and my passion for science, mm-hmm. but also um, the right brain side of myself, if you will, the musical side, the side that appreciates um nature and health and healing from a bit of a different, maybe spiritual angle. Sure. Um, and then coming out of school, I noticed you took a palliative care residency. Was that mm-hmm. your choice or is that just a placement? Ah, good question. Um, no, it was very much a choice. In fact, I had volunteered in palliative care prior to entering medicine. Mm-hmm. I've always been drawn, again, even as a young person, to more meaningful conversation, yeah. um, both within myself and with others, not only in my family, but friendship circle and beyond. And not that all conversations within a palliative setting are deeply meaningful. Some of them are very practical and very physical, but mm. there is opportunity at that time of life. Many people are contemplating um, end of life and meaning and purpose and um, forgiveness and grace and to be in the presence of that and to be a witness to that and in some way to hopefully be a guide or a support for that process just always felt like my right place. Did you feel confident right away like as a new doctor I feel confident in to, to be put in that situation. I mean, cause it's, it's something that I think most medical students would almost dread in a way, right. Is, right. is having to deal with patients at a, at an end of life situation. Right. Um, to answer your question, no, okay. um, I wasn't always confident and there was something about it that was always compelling to me, yeah. always, um, drew me in mm-hmm. enough so that I threw, you know, my personal, 
questioning, if you will, to the wind and just wanted to be there right. um, and developed confidence more over time. And even to this day, many years later, um, you know, I don't know if there can be any confidence in the mystery of life. Yeah. Um, no, although maybe we all we all just um, embrace or, or create our own confidence in the fact that there is a mystery to life. But again, somehow I was always drawn to that as much as I was drawn to um, the diagnosis and the diagnostic process. I've always been drawn to the person with the diagnosis just as much. Right. So again, that's marriage of science and, and art. Absolutely. Well, that leads to, I read in your bio, you, you sort of, um, take a, a stance on a person-centered healthcare. Yes. I, I read that. So yes. what do, in, in, in the short span of time, what, yeah. what do you think that means to you? What's, what are you going for there? Well, for me, um, person-centered care encompasses um, every conversation encompasses the person, again, behind the diagnosis, behind the disease, behind, um, in medicine, we call it the particular presenting complaint, if you will, or symptom that a person is presenting with, Mm -hmm. and uh, takes into account the whole person. So the person, um, their values, their priorities, their choices, their questions, their worries, their fears. Um, again, for me, medicine and supporting another person gets really interesting. It gets really juicy when yeah. we're supporting not just the disease process, although that in and of itself is uh, can be fascinating, of course, hopefully for not just the healthcare professional like myself, but the patient themselves, but really where a person takes it, Mm -hmm. um, the meaning that they ascribe to it, the emotionality that may be attached to it. um, It all just becomes more intriguing and a place that I would like to be with others. Yeah. Is that differing than uh, many GP models? Is that sort of different than, is it just a lack of time that most GPs have to spend with their patients that they they don't really adapt that model? It's a really good question. And I don't want to make assumptions about um, other GP colleagues, but Mm -hmm. I would imagine um, spending time with colleagues over the years and of course in medical school and residency training, on some level, we all go into medicine because we want to help and we want to be with people in their troubled times, not just their physically troubled times, but their mentally and emotionally and if you will, spiritually troubled times. And so having the gift um, that I do at this current stage of my career, having the gift of um, a longer length of time to spend with people. Right. But also, um, it's important to me in my personal life and in my professional life. And I've done um, a lot of internal searching, as people call it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people call it personal or an emotional development, whatever it is. And it's just something that I'm really passionate about, that I enjoy seeking out, um, that I want to take the time and help folks prioritize because it can really serve especially with such an intense journey oh absolutely yeah i mean that's sort of modeled you were sort of set up perfectly then for inspire health right to be to be (laughs) to to be so focused on person-centered care yes indeed that that seems to be you were sort of the the perfect person to, to come in and take over this this role so how did you come to inspire health and 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 that journey into into that. Ah, thank you for asking. Um, so 15 years ago, um, I was already practicing, as you mentioned, the person-centered approach, um, an integrative approach, um, embracing counseling and regularly prescribing, if you will, um, 
exercise and um, everything from something practical like exercise and eating healthy to um, looking at relationships and looking at forgiveness and and embracing self-care and self-awareness and self-love and um, so when the um, opportunity arose to work here full-time it was just such a natural fit Mm -hmm. and uh, i haven't looked back and as i said i've been here for 15 years now 15 years that's Mm. incredible yes so uh in those 15 years i'm sure you've uh, garnered a great understanding for what this organization does uh so what what is the mission the mission statement of, of inspire health we inspire people affected by cancer to enhance their quality of life and well-being by integrating wisdom and evidence-informed practices that support mind, body, and spirit. I love, and and so let's let's wax on that a little bit. All right. And and what to so what draws you right away as as someone not only someone who's who's um, you know the, the chief medical officer here, but someone uh, even on the outside reading that mission statement. What does that scream to you? Well, hopefully it would as our mission statement says, inspire people. Absolutely. And um, I think also our focus is so um, directed towards quality of life. Mm -hmm. It's something that in medical school we learn about as, not always, but often as a bit of an afterthought. Oh, well, if there's no cure, then you've always got quality of life to fall back on, rather than actually highlighting or... um, prioritizing quality of life Mm -hmm. because when we have a wonderful quality of life with whatever capacity we have diagnosis or not some different or disabilities or not Mm -hmm. um, when we've got our quality of life there's so much richness to our life and whether we live another day week month years or decades um, quality of life at least what I witness in my own life and working with patients in this intimate way, both one-on-one and in group programs, quality of life is um, such, it turns into such a priority for people Mm -hmm. when they are faced with um, a life-threatening illness. And suddenly people's lives open up when they shift to a place of realizing just how important their quality of life is and they focus on it right and they um not to a minute but they create meaning in their lives and um kind of awaken out of what one patient recently called the gerbil wheel of life to a more meaningful stopping and smelling the flowers yeah what do you think that is Why, why do you think that is that we all of a sudden appreciate life so much more when all of a sudden we're possibly faced with the end of it Mm -hmm. right it's sort of a backwards thinking in a way right you don't seem to you know enjoy that that quality of life until you realize it could be taken away it's a really important question and it's a philosophical one in certain ways I feel like it's part of human nature not necessarily to appreciate what we have until it's threatened or lost Mm -hmm. right and um, so I think we all can relate to that on some environment here at Inspire Health and what some of the examples are you've mentioned are warmly lit living room aptly named living right room because yeah. bless us all it's nicer to live in the moment than wait <laughs> in a waiting room but also there's couches and cozy corners and books on everything from nutrition and holistic cancer care to poetry and um, end of life care for those that are interested or where it's applicable 
the cup of tea is always at the ready, the filtered water, um, certainly a smile, um, but also a blanket and a pillow. We have many patients who come in and nap in our living room between treatments that they might be having outside in the community. So yes, um, natural light and um, natural sounds and healthy foods and um, warmly lit environments feel really important Mm -hmm. as we consciously focus on quality of life. Also, um, in addition, our team meditates every morning together, and we've done so for 22 years now. We um, meditate together to start our day, Mm -hmm. and that not only centers us to face the day, but also connects us as a team, as a community, um, and we hope contributes to the congruent healing environment that we're creating we really do our best none of us are perfect but we do our best to walk the walk we not only walk alongside but we are walking the talk i guess of of taking care of ourselves um loving ourselves doing our best to let things go when honestly it wouldn't serve to hold on to something stressful Mm -hmm. and in that way i feel like we can even more greatly support the people and their families who walk through the doors here because again none of us are perfect by any stretch but by being a work in progress and by acknowledging that and by letting people know that we're doing our best as well it all serves right I think that's that's a great point because you walk into a healthcare setting and you expect them to have all the answers or them in front of you to be perfect. And it's not always going to happen that way, right? That's right. Yeah. And one of the other things I'll mention about um, not just our living room, but it's a kind of an example of the atmosphere that we do our best to cultivate here is the community aspect mm-hmm. that people end up supporting one another that rather than, and I worked in family practice for a number of years before I came here, you know, and generally people are sitting on a reasonably comfortable chair, but we're probably on our phones or reading a magazine, and that may be exactly what a person wants to do. Yes. And here there is opportunity for that as well, but there's also um, a more consciously cultivated atmosphere where people might look over uh, to the other end of the couch and say hello and ask a question or um, share a book that they're reading or um, reassure if they've been here for maybe a few years and they've been down the path a little bit longer than the newbie in the room. Sure. Um, There's just a lot of community cultivation that will happen. And Mm -hmm. I see patients trundling up the hallway to grab a blanket for somebody who's kind of leaning on their hand or look like they're going to have a little lie down. Yeah. yeah. So it's not just our team that are supporting our patients and families, but one another. And so again, there's... um, There's less of a sense of isolation. There's more of a sense of community that we really, really appreciate and um, that comes to the fore. That's a fantastic point. I think you walk into any waiting room of any healthcare facility and nobody wants to look at each other and no one wants to, you know, you're just wondering, oh, what does that guy have next to me? You know what I mean? That's the sort of like (laughs) setting that they've created. And here it's totally different. You can feel it walking in. You absolutely can. Definitely. I wanted to also pick up on that is the... Unfortunately, cancer has such a such a heavy weight mm. in society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, the loneliness of cancer is what I wanted to pick up on. Is there's, you know, you so many times, so many people will have a cold. It's very common. So many people are taking antibiotics. It's very common. But once you get that cancer diagnosis, it, to me, it would seem like it's a very all of a sudden a lonely diagnosis because you can't walk out into that waiting room and say, 
you know, there's not everyone in that waiting room is having the same diagnosis as you. Even your partner, your spouse, whoever it is, can't, I completely identify with that immediately. Right. So everything becomes very lonely, I would find. Um, do you find a lot of patients uh, express that or a lot of patients dealing with that here? It's a really, I think, apt and wise question, if I may. Um, indeed, um, I'm supporting a, our two-day life program right now. It's running as we speak. And a number of people in the room mentioned how lonely they feel and how isolated they felt, even though they know statistically um, right now we know that about one in two Canadians will eventually develop cancer in their lifetime. I yeah. mean, it's staggering, the it's number of people. So incredible. sitting next to you on the bus, sitting next to you, um, or standing next to you in a, a line at the grocery store, mm-hmm. you know, it's very possible that the person next to you has cancer or is about to develop cancer or a loved one has cancer. Right. And yet still it's isolating. I think in part because it's such a... Um, a multifactorial disease Mm -hmm. and everybody goes through it differently right we all talk about cancer but really there's so many not only different kinds of cancer but everyone deals with it in their own unique way Mm -hmm. and um i think also one of the things that i witness is that we are a bit of a death denying culture and so when someone is given a life-threatening diagnosis it just rocks their world mm-hmm. and understandably of course but it really rocks their world and so um questioning our mortality or exploring um, our mortality exploring what it might be like there's a lot of pressure out there to be positive mm-hmm. in our culture mm-hmm. with or without cancer. There's a lot of pressure to be a super cancer patient, a fighter, a yeah. super mom, a super dad, a super worker, a super physician, a super teacher, um, but also a super cancer patient right. and to be um, always having a smile and be thinking positive. And um, what we encourage here at Inspire Health is to have all of our feelings yeah. and, and to be authentic and to be real. And if we're feeling overwhelmed or devastated or sad or angry or frustrated, mm-hmm. um, that's part of the spectrum too. Wonderful if you are feeling positive and that can help. Yeah. And not to experience that as an internal or an externally derived pressure. So... Um, I think it can feel lonely, not only because of the actual diagnosis, but because of the life-threatening nature of it. Right. And it's just also downright scary, not only to go through the life-threatening aspect of it, but some of the treatments are uncomfortable at best and Mm -hmm. scary at their worst. And so, again, people just don't know where to turn and they don't want to burden their family and friends. By talking about it, they um, they don't want the pressure themselves, and they don't want to pressure others. So it's um, for all those reasons, it is quite an isolating experience for many. Right. Yeah. No one wants to suck the positive out of the room right. by bringing it up. Right. Absolutely. Right. One notion I've always disliked, and I don't know if you share it, is is the word battle. Everyone says, mm. "Oh, they lost their battle with cancer," mm-hmm. or they they beat their battle with cancer. And I was like, "Why does it have to be such a?" for lack of a better word war term you know what i mean to it's you know it's a it's a very serious disease but it's not it's it's not some fight you know it's not a 
you know, it's something it's so, so depressing as, as that, right? It's, it's someone going through a different way of life. That's all it is. Right. Is they, they used to not have cancer. Now they do. And now and they now, do. And now they're changing things, you know, to help that or to, to recover from it. But just that, just that notion of someone, you know, even especially if it's a end of life situation, someone saying they lost their battle to cancer, it just seems so, it's such a negative way, connotation of putting it. It can be. Right? And I'm certainly open, you know, when patients really genuinely feel a sense of being a warrior or they genuinely feel like right now they just need to battle through. Sure. Of course. Um, And not that it's up to me to tell them what words to use, but I do absolutely acknowledge and appreciate people's choice around how they work with their diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I think for many, it can be that battle analogy can be more negative or more um, of a pressure. Yes. And also losing a battle exactly sounds so terrible Absolutely. when actually, you know, death is a natural part of life mm-hmm. and so is the dying process. And again, I totally accept and welcome patients' uh, conversations and we support patients to make decisions around their end of life care, of course, mm-hmm. um, in whatever way that would look like and would um, work best for the person and their family and their current situation. But I agree for many people that battle analogy and being a fighter um, just doesn't quite fit with who they've been through their whole lives and their personality and what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And so it can actually be more of a stress. Right. Um, I've worked with a number of patients who have felt guilty for being sick and felt embarrassed mm. for dying. Yeah. They tell me that they're actually embarrassed that they're in a dying process because somehow they weren't fighting hard enough. And bless people and bless us all, um, the pressure is inordinate. No kidding. So, um, yes, I I do my best to encourage all of our patients and families to, um, and it's a tall order for many of us to accept mm-hmm. what's happening to the degree that, you know, we talk about, um, accepting a new normal in some way yeah. and the more or the more efficiently if you will and that's also sometimes a pressure because it doesn't feel like we want to accept a new normal thank you very much I'd mm. like to go back to my old normal no kidding yeah but if that's honestly what's not in the cards or at least not in the cards for the time being right. one never knows there's also a mystery around hope isn't there mm. um, but the sooner that one can accept even a part of what's going on mm-hmm. um, and accept ourselves in it you know even the messiness of it all and the scariness of it all um yes with possible limitations um and even a shortened lifespan but again back to quality of life when we can live our life to the fullest whether that's a day a week a month or years somehow it's all okay yeah yeah for sure do you find that's a new uh, a difficult transition to to educate patients on when they're coming in the door is that your life is now changed. Your life is going to be different. You're now going to have a new normal and, and that's okay. hundred percent. That's okay. But do you find that's the most difficult part is, is, is trying to portray or convince your patients that it's okay to now have a, a different chapter in their lives, if you will, a very big chapter at that. Do you know, it's so interesting. It's such a wonderful question. Everybody's so unique and different. However, I would say that it's such a relief, like a cosmic sigh of a relief uh, when patients accept that what's happening is happening. And and as soon as we can accept what's happening as what's happening, it sounds funny, but gosh knows we all, you know, 
rail against things that are happening because they're just feeling unacceptable Mm -hmm. um, or again, emotion provoking or whatever the case is. But as soon as we can accept what's happening, there's a huge, as I said, cosmic sigh of Mm -hmm. relief, of stress reduction, of um, being able to be ourselves and approach what is happening, even if it's scary and overwhelming and um, yucky. Right. To be able to approach that with a bit of breath, with a bit of a relaxed stance. Mm -hmm. Um, We never go into these things probably gleefully. And when we can approach them from a more relaxed or grounded or peaceful place, the whole thing changes. The whole picture changes. And we can make choices that may not be our first choice in the grand scheme, but given options that are being presented to us, we can make choices that are best for us. And we can certainly always, although it may not always feel like it in a given moment when emotions are running high or when scary things are happening, but we can always make choices that um, around the way that we respond to what is in front of us. Right, for sure. One of the biggest stressors in life, and especially maybe living in Vancouver, is financial situations, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, How did, you know, I think everyone sort of goes day to day knowing or taking for granted that a single breath, like every breath you take is for free, right? And once all of a sudden that gets called into question, you feel like you would think it's a universal uh, response that everyone would think that should be free. Having health should be something that we're all entitled to, no matter what our financial situation is. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, So can you speak to Inspire Health and and how they're how they're able to to fund and, and able to to make that uh, you know that burden on their patients a little bit easier. Mm, that's a really important question, and yes, I would say that financial stress is one of the biggest, most common stresses we hear about here. And I agree with you that every breath we take is a gift, and it is free. Right. Um, and then suddenly, when it's threatened. Um, it can get expensive in multiple ways. Definitely, Inspire Health itself is um, funded in several ways. We're grateful to receive BC Ministry of Health support, okay. and about two-thirds of our funding comes from there. Great. About one-third of our funding to be able to sustain programs and services that are free of charge for patients with cancer and their families about a third we fundraise for every year okay and that comes from events but also from uh, fundraising events but also from um, generous donors and funders and foundations and grants that Mm -hmm. support our work right and how great it is to have those on your side oh my goodness absolutely you know even sitting in the in the living room i like the 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 fireplace donated by home depot yeah not to give them a plug but just <laughs> i just saw the plaque and i thought it, it just i don't know what it is it gives you some neo comfy feeling that you know something that a fireplace they're so known for those sort of appliances and that they've That's graciously right. donated it in a living room it's just the full circle Exactly. We could wax on on that for exactly. a while. Exactly. And the business community are quite um, generous. And um, of course, we're all, again, we're all touched by cancer in some way at some time. And so whether it's individuals or corporations, we're grateful for the support because it feels 
really important to us that we be able to offer programs and services free of charge. Absolutely. Um, speaking of programs and services, can we go through some of those of, of what a, a patient can expect to uh, to enjoy or their families as well, which I love to hear as well, that yes. it's not just the, the patient, it's it's everyone who's is going along on the journey with them. Um, what sort of programs do, do you offer here at Inspire Health? Yes, absolutely. So we offer programs and services for adults living with cancer, so people age 15 and older, and also their families. We know that cancer doesn't just affect the individual. It affects the family and the friendships and the community circle. Mm -hmm. And so we welcome not only patients but family members to participate with us in our classes and programs and in individual appointments if the patients invite them. And um, our programs... I will say to start, ultimately, even though they branch out into different areas, are all ultimately about supporting quality of life and reducing stress. Because regardless of our diagnosis and regardless of where we end up, um, our quality of life is something that is a priority for all of us. So um, we offer, um, generally when people get started with us, Mm -hmm. um, they come through our fireside information session in our living room and spend about an hour with us it's a drop-in okay learning about our classes and programs and what we have to offer and seeing if it feels like the right fit and seeing which direction people would like to go and from there there's lots of choices people can focus on attending an individual consultation with an exercise therapist and um, working with their current range of motion and balance and um, levels of fatigue, which of course is common with cancer and its treatments. And then after that, coming through any of our physical movement classes that include yoga, tai chi, and other um, breathy, slow-moving classes. But also we have some quite vigorous and invigorating exercise classes that include um, weights and aerobics etc that are purposely the classes are kept small Mm -hmm. so that having met the exercise therapist and then entering one of their classes people can um, expect individualized attention of course and also some people when they if you will graduate from Inspire Health and go back to their usual gym or their usual routine, they're grateful for having been here when maybe they felt a little self-conscious or shy or a little fatigued or maybe they've lost their hair from treatment or something like that here. um, It's come as you are. Everybody is welcome and accepted. And also you get that individual attention so that when you go back to the community to a regular class, if that's where you quote unquote graduate to, Uh, you're well prepared. Right. So in addition to exercise, we offer nutrition consultations and classes about um, how to eat healthy and not just healthy for the masses, Mm -hmm. um, but also how to eat healthy as a unique individual with your specific cancer at this specific time or you with children or you on the run Mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be. Um, Healthy for you might look different as healthy for me. Of course. So those individual um, recommendations are always appreciated. And then we offer cooking demonstration classes so people can actually come in and learn in a relaxed setting, bring the kids along, um, bring um, a partner along or uh, a close friend along so everybody gets to learn how to eat healthy. Mm -hmm. 
which is nice. And then everybody feels inspired to eat healthy, not, oh, poor mom, she has to eat healthy. Of course. But exactly. when you taste what they make in those classes, believe me, you'll want to come to the classes. I'm sure. And then we also offer one on one counseling and um and support groups right. there are support groups not only for cancer patients but there are support groups that are quite specific there's a men's support group as an example mm. men are less likely to come into classes and programs we just know that as a, a bit of a stereotype yeah. <laughs> um, so we have their own class which is now growing um, we also offer a young adult um, support group and we offer some adventure support groups um, and um, adventure outdoor adventure groups in our Victoria location mostly for young adults mm-hmm. and um, we also offer support groups specifically for support people and not just so you can come in and learn how to be a better support person yeah but honestly to take a load off the challenges and sometimes honestly burdens of being a support person of course yeah. so um and then finally we have individual consultations with us the physicians at inspire health and we are all family doctors by background mm-hmm. with a special interest in um meaningful conversation but also a special interest in lifestyle so nutrition exercise and stress reduction right and we can help sometimes as family physicians to um, answer questions or perhaps, um, and not that we have all the answers to philosophical or spiritual or existential questions, but to be a listening ear mm-hmm. and a witness while people explore some of the emotions that maybe they haven't had the opportunity to do elsewhere. Right. And to fill in some of the gaps that honestly, um, just as a busy family physician, I know existed when I was in medicine and I'm sure exist now and our busy specialist colleagues, um, we don't in any way replace the family doctor. We don't in any way um, try to replace um, an oncologist. That's not our training. Mm-hmm. But we can support patients' questions that they have that may be just in the fullness of uh, their time with their GP or specialist, they just didn't have a chance to ask. Right, for sure. Do you know on average about how many patients you've had come through? I mean, so this seems to be like 15 years ago or, or 22 years ago, 97, I believe you started. That's right. Uh, it would have been, that would have been a large gap in the healthcare space of just no place for, for patients to go. They go for their treatment and then it's home. Right. Right. There's right. no, there's no actual support group as, as, as Inspire Health has created. So how many people since then do you think that you've helped well it's we see about just over a thousand new patients per year okay and then in addition to that we've got lots of returning patients so patients um who come in to participate year upon year Mm -hmm. so they're appreciative of having a um, supportive space to come to in which to do as i mentioned their exercise or their yoga and just feel um understood right um, and they also come back sometimes as volunteers uh, to support, you know, the next person who comes in the door with their new diagnosis. Yeah. So about a thousand people per year have come through our doors mm-hmm. um, as new patients, but we have upwards of about 20,000 unique visitations per year. So that's people wow. that come in and do a class. Some people come once ever. Some people come once a month um, or a couple of times a year and some people are more regulars and they'll come to several classes a week right while they're right. going through that's got to be quite rewarding as well if someone oh. who's come through their cancer and and still comes back to, to either give back or just come back because this is this is where they you know where the biggest chapter of their life you know yeah happened for that's them, right right um let's talk about the so you host an annual gala can we talk about that and and the the 
the absolute benefit it has for for your organization? Mm, thank you for asking. Yes, we host uh, an annual gala, and um, it's a really important, as we say, fundraising, but also friend raising event. Right. Um, not only is it fundraising, but it's awareness building, so mm-hmm. that people know they can, you know, tuck the information in their back pocket, whether it's for themselves or a family member, and perhaps send somebody along to. Um, partake of our or participate in our supportive care services but very importantly on that evening as well the funds raised again support our program being sustainable because Mm -hmm. we weren't always free we at one point in our history did charge for programming okay okay and since 2015 um, we changed that Mm -hmm. and our numbers grew substantially and it both warms my heart and breaks my heart to hear stories of patients that said I was just waiting for you to be free because I right. couldn't afford to come here. Yeah. So for patients and families and for their providers in the community, it just feels so critically important that we maintain our status being free of charge right. because that way patients and families, but also healthcare providers who might otherwise recommend or refer patients to us don't have to think for a moment before sending somebody our way to get the support that they need. Right. One thing I'd like to mention that I didn't mention a few moments ago when you were asking about our classes and programs is um, how important um, and how life-changing for many people our signature two-day life program is. Okay, yeah. Our LIFE program is our signature program. We've been running it for over 20 years now on a monthly basis. Hmm. And we run it a little less frequently at our other two sites in Victoria and Kelowna. And of course, I'm very biased, but every program is my favorite program because everybody who comes (laughs) through is so grateful for the opportunity to connect not only with us, but with the concept that it's okay to be not okay and it's okay to be okay and to come as you are to be your authentic self Mm -hmm. to express your emotions in the room if they're there and to um, create community right I think sometimes as we talked about people feel lonely and isolated but even in that don't realize how important it is to connect with community they think oh well I'll reach out to a loved one, a family member, a trusted counselor, and great ideas, and Mm -hmm. fair enough. And it doesn't occur to them that they might sit in a room of 20 to 30 people and connect with strangers around them with sometimes a very different diagnosis or the same diagnosis and a very different experience or approach. But honestly, I don't know how to word it, but there's a lot of magic in that room. There's love, there's care, there's... um, support for one another and there's just I can't say it under any other way there's just a wonderful sense of community that's built and so people go home with not only um, new information for how to live your best and healthiest life with cancer that hopefully our team uh, provides and promotes Mm -hmm. but with uh, a felt sense that they're not alone right even if they don't connect with somebody else in that room ever again yeah 
what I hear time and time again for people that sit with me after the program for a private appointment is how transformational that time was for them to realize, oh, phew, I'm not alone. Other people are working through this as well. And sometimes people develop friendships right there in the two-day program. And um, again, same diagnosis or not. It may have nothing to do with a shared diagnosis, but just knowing that you are on a path of wellness despite the odds or um, taking care of ourselves uh, no matter what is happening in our lives there's something that brings people together and that bonds people who are looking at their life from a new or fresh perspective really Mm -hmm. connecting with their values their priorities their choices Um, and yeah it's just a, a wonderful wonderful atmosphere so I hope anyone listening who has a diagnosis of cancer or who has a loved one who does would um, check out Inspire Health but would also consider coming through this two-day program it truly can be beautifully life-changing absolutely yeah well I would challenge also anyone to watch the introductory video that you have on your website I don't know anyone in that video I had never seen it myself but for you to for anyone to watch that and not be inspired whether they've been affected by cancer whether they happen to know no one who's been affected by cancer to watch that and and see the community that you've created you know that's it's it's powerful and i challenge anyone not to be inspired by oh, that oh i'm so glad to hear that perfect well thank you so much for joining us today thank you